Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special Saturday edition of the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. I'm Zach Wolf, a senior writer here at CNN and the publisher of the Impeachment Watch newsletter. Please go to CNN.com slash impeachment. We update that site throughout the day with all the latest news and analysis. And it is where you can sign up for the newsletter, which we send out about once a day, sometimes more often when news warrants. But uh, we, we try not to spam you. I'm flying solo on the podcast today. My goal is to underscore some of the more salient moments in the last 24 hours since the last podcast. Uh, last night, the Democratic House managers wrapped up their opening arguments. And today, President Trump's legal team took center stage I want to start with a piece of sound from Jerry Nadler. He's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, one of the House impeachment managers. And he said something that was actually kind of controversial um, yesterday. Most of the arguments from the House impeachment managers we've heard before. But he said something that had a lot of people talking. Uh, Take a listen. If he is not removed from office, if he is permitted to defy the Congress entirely, categorically, to say that, impe- that subpoenas from Congress in an impeachment inquiry are nonsense, then we will have lost, the House will have lost, the Senate certainly will have lost all power to hold any president accountable. This is a determination by President Trump that he wants to be all-powerful. He does not have to, rep- to, to respect the Congress. He does not have to respect the representatives of the people. Only his will goes. He is a dictator. This must not stand. And that is why another reason he must be removed from office. So that was Congressman Nadler talking about the second article of impeachment, which argues uh, obstruction of Congress, essentially that President Trump, because he didn't allow Congress to investigate him, to, to do their constitutional role of oversight, that he should be removed from office. But it was that last little bit there where Nadler says that Trump is a dictator. That will resonate with a lot of Democrats who might feel that way. But it drew some cries of frustration from a lot of Republicans who see Trump as a as a duly elected leader, as the president of the United States. Regardless of how he's treating Congress, he will stand before voters come November. And that is not exactly uh, what a, a traditional dictator is. I think it's interesting that Nadler uh, chose to go in that direction. Uh, the House managers up until that moment um, had tried to be very sort of even keel. They were talking in this kind of grandiose language about the importance of all of this to the Constitution and about resetting the balance of powers, but they hadn't tried to be uh, directly 
confrontational uh, since their first day when uh, Adam Schiff uh, drew some frustration and Nadler, too, when they alleged uh, essentially that senators were trying to cover up wrongdoing by President Trump. They had tried to be sort of more respectful of Republicans. But this moment with Nadler, where he essentially said that Trump is no longer a legitimate leader, I think resonated. It led a lot of the the news sites for a good portion of the day and got a lot of replay on cable news. So I'm not sure if that is something that people will take away, um, if it will delegitimize the hearings or uh, frustrate Republicans in any way. I think it also speaks to the idea of what Democrats are actually trying to accomplish here. Are they trying to rile up their base and and show them that they impeached Trump and do what the Democrats want them to do? Or are they actually trying to change Republican hearts and minds? Uh, this piece of sound sort of suggests it's the former. Um, the impeachment trial is in a space where it's like a foregone conclusion that Trump is ultimately going to be acquitted. So at the end of the day, this is largely a political exercise, and it it sort of plays into people's preconceived notions about Trump. Um, If you think that he is a harm to the United States, that he's endangering the Constitution, this kind of language is likely to resonate with you. On the other hand, If you support Trump or even if you're open to him, the idea that somebody that you kind of like would be a dictator uh, is not something that you want to hear. Your mind is not going to be changed uh, by that kind of language. Now, I want to throw to the last piece of sound that we heard from Democrats making their opening arguments. This was last night on Friday night. This is these are the last words that Adam Schiff uttered. Uh, in favor of this impeachment, and they weren't directly asking for impeachment. Instead, they were asking for senators to give Americans, the American people, a fair trial. Listen to this. From all over the world, they look to us, and increasingly they don't recognize what they see. It's a terrible tragedy for them. It is a worse tragedy for us, because there's nowhere else for them to turn. They're not going to turn to Russia. They're not going to turn to China. They're not going to turn to Europe with all of its problems. They look to us because we are still the indispensable nation. They look to us because we have a rule of law. They look to us because no one is above that law. And one of the things that separates us from those people in Elgin prison is the right to a trial. It's a right to a trial. Americans get a fair trial. And so I ask you, I implore you, give America a fair trial. Give America a fair trial. She's worth it. Thank you. Okay, so there's Adam Schiff kind of changing this idea of a fair trial away from President Trump. You've heard a lot of Republicans say he's not getting a fair trial uh, from Democrats. Adam Schiff turns that idea around and says it's actually the country 
that deserves a fair trial, that the American people need to have a full hearing of the evidence. And he uses that to make this plea, um, unspoken in that quote, but essentially saying to the senators in the room, you have to vote with me uh, in, in order to get more evidence and more witnesses because the White House hasn't cooperated with this effort at all. And we don't know the full story. I thought Schiff was really effective when he when he did this because he sort of, uh, you know, brought out this idea that Americans are entitled to have a president where they know what he's doing or she is doing, where they have are entitled to have a Congress that can oversee the president. And it, it sort of speaks to this constitutional idea of checks and balances and how Trump has upset that balance in the country. I thought that was really effective. And with that, Democrats were done uh, with their arguments. They got 24 hours spread over three days, and now it's Republicans' turn. They get 24 hours spread over three days. They are not going to take that long to make their arguments. Uh, We saw two main points I heard on this first day. They only used two hours of the 24 they're allotted, but they made some important points. This is Pat Cipollone. He's the White House counsel and sort of the, the leader of the Trump defense team. He made the point that this impeachment, uh, the way it's being prosecuted just before an election that's coming in November, is essentially robbing Americans of one of the choices they would have on the ballot. For all their talk about election interference, that they're here to perpetrate the most massive interference in an election in American history, And we can't allow that to happen. This is something Republicans have been talking about for a while with this impeachment. What sets this impeachment apart, you know, there have only been three. uh, This is the third in American history. But what sets this one apart is that it's against a president who is facing um, election and is expected to be on the ballot. Andrew Johnson was impeached uh, before uh, facing election, but he couldn't make it onto the ballot. That was a totally different scenario because it was in the midst of Reconstruction. He was kind of a an odd duck as a Democrat in a Republican-controlled country at the time. So this one is very different uh, in that respect because Trump is facing re-election. And the argument is that if this impeachment were successful, it would remove him from office. It would also presumably remove him from the ballot, although that could take a separate vote. Um, it would remove him from the ballot and mean that Americans couldn't choose uh, one of the people that they've already chosen. They chose him, uh, or at least the Electoral College did in 2016. This is a pretty compelling argument. I think if you're a moderate, if you want to have the option of Trump on the ballot, it is certainly true uh, that if if this impeachment is successful, they would have to try to find somebody else. Imagine a quick Republican primary if Trump was taken out of office, barred from running in, again in 2020. Who would be on the ballot? Uh, we don't have to worry about that because the likelihood of him actually being removed from office with this impeachment is just about zero. But I do think it is a compelling point, um, even if at the end of the day, If you think the constitutional separation of powers is extremely important, if you think that he shouldn't be inviting uh, foreign interference in U.S. elections is important, you probably don't mind as much about keeping him from the ballot in 2020. 
Okay, now this is the last piece of sound we'll play today. This is from Jay Sekulow, another one of President Trump's attorneys. And he's talking about how essentially he doesn't need to make this case, largely because he's going to pull directly from things that were in the hearings that Democrats had, the impeachment hearings that Democrats put forward, and also from the words of President Trump and President Zelensky. I am not going to continue to go over and over and over again the evidence that they did not put before you because we would be here for a lot longer than 24 hours. But to say that the President of the United States did not, was not concerned about burden sharing, sharing, that he was not concerned about corruption in Ukraine, the facts from their hearing, the facts from their hearing establish exactly the opposite. The president wasn't concerned about burden sharing. Read all of the records. And then there was Mr. Ship saying yesterday, maybe we can learn a lot more from our Ukrainian ally. Let me read you what our Ukrainian ally said. President Zelensky. When asked about these allegations of quid pro quo, he said, I think you read everything. I think you read the text. He says, we had a good phone call. These are his words. It was normal. We spoke about many things. I think, and you read it, that nobody pushed me. They think you can read minds. I think you look at the words. You will hear Republicans and defenders of the president come back to these points over and over and over again. President Trump says there was no pressure. Uh, you can look at the at the transcript, says President Trump. A lot of other people, most other people maybe, look at the transcript and do see pressure. But President Trump says it was perfect. And then they will also look at President Zelensky, the, the Ukrainian president, say that he didn't feel pressured. They will look at the at the specific words of these two men and argue that this is kind of a ridiculous uh, impeachment because both of the two principals say there was no pressure. Uh, Democrats will point out that there clearly was pressure because the U.S. was holding holding out uh, security aid that was a large portion of Ukraine's uh, defense budget, and they're in a hot war with Russia. Uh, they've been going through this for days on end about, uh, you know, chapter and verse documenting how the pressure was exerted. Uh, but Republicans will look specifically at the transcript of these two men. And that is something, if, if, if you're looking to support the president, that is very compelling that neither of these guys say specifically that there was pressure. You have to look for the pressure in order to see it. All right, that's all I got today. Remember to go to CNN.com slash impeachment for the latest updates. If you haven't already subscribed to the newsletter, you can do so there. As always, we'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. Remember, we've got a new episode every weeknight. So please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a comment that helps people find the show. We'll see you on Monday. <laughs>